Welcome to Indie Game Business, where you'll learn to navigate the industry with ease. This show is produced by the Powell Group, the leading business consulting firm in the game industry. Visit us online at IndieGame.Business to get your free pass to our next digital event coming December 8th, 9th, and 10th, where you'll have more great sessions you can participate in for free and inexpensive passes to our industry-leading digital business-to-business meeting system. Also, make sure to donate to Extra Life. We've got a link down below in the description, or you can even join the Indie Game Business Extra Life team. That link is down in the description as well. Here we go, Indie Game Business. Sign up today for the Indie Game Business Newsletter. It's a weekly source of business news curated for indie dev teams. We've got discounts on all Indie Game Business events and events from all of our partners. You get a first look at the summaries and takeaways from all of our podcasts. There's exclusive opportunities for promotions and early access to new tools for development, monetization, and more. Check it out. Sign up. PowellGroupConsulting.com slash publisher dash list. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Indie Game Business. I am your host, Jay Powell. Indie is out sick today. He's got a sick day, so it is just me flying solo. And our guest, Shiz Suzuki, who is the head of partnerships and experimental marketing at AT&T. So, Shiz, welcome. We always start with, you know, walk us through your career. And we usually say, and how you got into games, but I know you're not into games full-time, so I'll <laughs> tweak that and say how you decided to work in games with this promotion that we're going to talk about. Yeah, no, Jay, thanks for having me today. It's it's exciting to be here. Um, I'll start by saying that um, I do not have a traditional background in terms of a typical person who runs sponsorships for a you know a large Fortune 10 company um, in the United States. Um, so my career progression is a bit of an unusual one, um, which is actually quite exciting. Um, I I usually don't like the the typical path, if you will. Um, even going back further before my career, um, I you know I'm an immigrant um, from Japan. Uh, my dad and the family, he brought us over as $200 in a dream. Um, and so there's many a days that I have to pinch myself in regards to the work that I get to do and the, the things that I get to experience and, um, you know, and the opportunities that, that we're able to, to create for others. Um, and so, you know, certainly there's a lot um, there that, you know, in terms of kind of my passions and things that fire me up and get me up in the morning. Um, there's a lot there in terms of call it my, you know, 
you know, how I grew up and, and my family history. Um, but I'm going to fast forward a little bit. Um, I, so I've been with AT&T for about 13 and a half years. Uh, this is my ninth role, actually. So I've done a lot of jobs and I've moved many times. And, uh, and so I started with the company. I mean, it was in a, I was, I was managing a call center in San Ramon, California. That's up north. I'm in, I'm in LA now, but up north. And I've done and all different types of roles, everything from my second job, actually, one of my most memorable, I was a construction manager for um, copper splicers out in the field. So literally hard hat and boots and, you know, getting in manholes, climbing poles, that sort of a thing, um, had an incredible crew, really taught me about the foundations of the business. I think most people will know that, you know, we come from, call it the, the company lineage and history, of course, is in more traditional telecom and um, wireline phone services. And um, we've certainly been on quite the journey. And, and you know, in, in my, you know, 13 and a half years, I've seen it transform and transition from being a, a telephone company to a wireless company to a, you know, entertainment company, modern media company. You know, we've been on quite the journey. And so similarly, my career has been, um, you know, a similar, call it windy road path. and. Um, and uh, I've been able to, to do some really cool things. Um, I did some work in pricing, um, mobility network operations. Um, I've done chief of staff roles. Um, I've supported our chairman and CEO um, in events, PR, et cetera, um, workforce transformation projects. And more recently, um, I took this role on about three years ago um, to head up um, all of the sponsorships and experiential marketing across the company. Um, and like I mentioned before, I'm not your traditional um, person. I, I don't, you know, I don't have a sports background per se. Um, I don't, I, you know, I wasn't a collegiate athlete. Uh, and I, although I watched some sports growing up, we weren't, you know, again, immigrant family. My parents worked all the time. We couldn't afford cable. We didn't watch a lot of sports either. Um, but, uh, certainly it's, it's been an exciting journey and, um, you know, and, and I think the reason why, and we can touch on this later a little bit more, but, you know, I think you, you put untraditional people in traditional roles if, you know, you want to see changes if you want to make changes. So that's that's what I'm here to do. I think your your mic may have moved there. You got a little oh, bit. No. You got okay, a little bit softer at the end. Okay. Can you still hear me? Oh yeah, we're good. No, no. Oh, we're okay. Good. Okay. So, all right. My first question is: uh, ex exactly what is experimental marketing? Yeah, it's actually experiential marketing. Although there's a lot of experimental oh, in this place too, so uh, you're not too far. <laughs> yeah, experiential marketing is really, you know, when I, when you think about sponsorships, it's a uh, call it. There's it's 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 one of the levers of things that you could do within a marketing mix. And so obviously, a lot of people think of things like TV advertising or billboards and what have you. Um, you know, for for us, it's it's this opportunity and an ability to take, call it, um, brands and other other things that people are passionate about, right? So obviously, in this case, there's um, gaming and esports um, properties that that we we uh, support, like Cloud9, ESL, etc. And then certainly even in the stick and ball sports space, which 
where we, you know, that's where we originally kind of started for sponsorships, um, whether that be things like um, the NBA, the WNBA, um, NHL teams, AT&T Stadium, the Dallas Cowboys, you know, there's kind of a long list there. Also athletes and talent can also fall into that space as well. And basically, you know, at, it, when we think about, um, you know, what's important in, in marketing, and especially for a company as old as ours, I mean, we're a 140 plus year old brand. Um, you know, there's a lot there in regards to the fact that customers know who we are when they see the globe or when they see AT&T, they know who we are. But there is more there that we want to do in terms of connecting with our customer base. And that's the challenge at hand for us. And that's where sponsorships and experiential marketing comes in and that experimental part as well. Um, and it's connecting with our customers through the things that they're really passionate about. So as an example, um, I'll use um, one of our award-winning experiences. Um, there's something called Pose with the Pros that we installed at AT&T Stadium with the Dallas Cowboys last season. And this is a, call it volumetrically captured um, content of, you know, eight or so uh, Dallas Cowboys athletes. And that is all put into this, um, uh, call it a, it's, it's selfie stand, I guess, for the easiest way to describe it. And then what you do is you go and you can pick the athletes you want to take a photo of, but it's not just like, you know, hey, pick a couple players and you take a picture with them. The experience of like the athletes kind of jumping out of the screen and, and kind of, you know, huddling around you, etc. Like there's there's a lot more definition to the to that content. It's a lot richer. A lot. All that is powered by 5G that's available in stadium. And uh, and so for us, the beauty of it is, is that we're able to tell a technology story, but through the lens of things that people are really passionate about. I always joke that if you stuck a pose with a pro stand, you know, somewhere in a retail store somewhere um, and you can come pose with me, um, you know, the only person will show up is my mom. <laughs> So, you know, that's the power of, you know, when you partner with somebody um, or, or, you know, uh, call it, you know, IP and brands that are, that are really powerful, right? That's, that's the things that you're able to, to really try. We, we always tell everyone that when you're going, you're getting your game tested and getting feedback on your games, that feedback from your friends and your parents don't count because your mom's always going to tell you that you're a great <laughs> singer. It doesn't. <laughs> Like, that doesn't count. You've got to get like real feedback in, in here. That's somewhere. right. Yeah, so, I mean, AT&T's been doing esports for three years now. So yes. Yeah. What, I mean, aside from the fact that it started to grow, and that's one of the things, it's like people don't realize how long esports have been around and how popular it's been for many, many years. What got AT&T to originally start looking at Esports as another medium, you know, on the level with the stick and ball sports. Yeah, that's a that's a great question. Um, for us, when I came into the picture, it was looking across our portfolio and really seeing: Are we connecting with our customer base, customer base of today, and customer base of tomorrow? And so, um, you know, obviously, in, in the world of sponsorships, relationships of this nature, there, you know, these are generally multi-year deals. You've got a, you know, a, a, a bit of a, a longer consideration set in terms of, you know, who the audience is and. Um, for us, 
esports and gaming was an area that was uh, an obvious for us. Our our products and services are um, endemic to the space, right? Whether that be the you know the fiber products, broadband, five G, of course, is kind of the the new conversation that that we're having here. But you know, if you think about the importance of a network, high speed, low latency, and and that that is something that is core to um, to the gaming space. And so you know, for us, it was uh, you know connecting in with this audience. Now, I guess the 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 more difficult thing to do. And I think the biggest challenge that companies and brands have is getting into the space and, um, you know, certainly, you know, selecting the right partners, et cetera, that, that by itself is a challenge, certainly. But I think the biggest challenge is how do you, and what is your ethos around connecting, truly connecting with the fan base? Um, you know, there's different ways that you can um, execute sponsorships. Some some people call it spots and dots. You put up signs and what have you, or you have you know your you know your logo on a you know on you know, somewhere on digitally you know somewhere. But you know, it's it's it really has to every company has to figure out what makes you unique, what makes you stand out. And, you know, and this is an audience base that is more particular and they certainly have earned that. And so uh, it's been a it's been a really fun and unique challenge for us in this space. But, you know, it's for us, our ethos has always been about elevating the space, however, and whichever we can. So whether that be through products and services or whether it be through events or other types of activations, or things that we might support and get into. Um, and so it has never been about, um, you know, hey, let's stick a sign up and walk away. Um, you know, it's it's really been about, hey, listen, let's 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 do a lot of research in uh, in this industry, in this fan base. Um, let's lean in on people that are really smart and know this space a lot better than we do. So we've done a lot of listening, a lot of learning, um, a lot of continual learning because things are always changing in this industry. And then it's about how do we best then give back to and um, and and elevate um, you know things for for the athletes, the players, the gamers, the fan base, the community. Yeah, particular is a very good word about how gamers are. That's the <laughs> that, particular. That's a <laughs> It is. It, it, I'm trying it, not to say the dirty A word. I know. <laughs> uh, no, trust me, there's a lot of dirty words that get shared uh, on, on this show. So yeah. it's, it's perfectly fine. The it, it is interesting, especially since you've been at AT&T as, as long as you have, because, you know, we look at even just the last 10 years since mobile games became a thing. And, you, you know, your history goes back before mobile phones were even a thing. God forbid, putting a game on them and, and doing something along those lines. So um, it's 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 interesting how the industry's grown. And that, that's always the cool part for me is, is, is talking about how things have all changed since we've been doing this forever. Wow. Um, all right. So we know those of us who are in the industry realize that, you know, there's a big hole when it comes to women in games and minorities in games and, you know, all sorts of different groups that are represented in society, but aren't very well represented in, you know, game development or even games sometimes. So I'm sure that AT&T has this whole big statistics and research group 
what are the you know different stats that you came across and the different indicators that okay hey we need to do something like this when y'all started planning the the unlock games competition so gender equality has been an area that has been near and dear to our hearts um, for, I mean, we've, we've been working on this for several years now at different, in different places of the, the business from a marketing angle. So whether that be for making sure that our advertising is, you know, representing women and women and girls um, portraying them accurately, et cetera, and um, supporting industry um, organizations like the Association of National Advertisers with See Her, See Her in Sports. Um, and so for us, it was kind of a natural connection when we came across this one stat um, that was certainly eye-opening for us. And it was around the fact that about half of um, half of gaming fans are women and girls, but only but it's less than a quarter of developers are women and girls. And so for us, you know, when you start to think about the fact that having a, you know, I'll put it in corporate terms, which would be if you, you know, having a, a diverse workforce always helps you create products and services that are much more representative of your overall customer base. So if we put it in that regard, it's the same thing is that there is such a great opportunity here to um, help elevate and to bring, you know, give opportunities to potentially audiences and groups that have traditionally been underrepresented in this space. And um, and so for us, it was, you know, what can we do about it, right? Again, um, going back to our ethos of what, what, what we, what we love doing in the space, it, it, which is all about elevating and, and trying to improve the space um, where we can with the things, you know, with, with our products and services or things that we have access to. So we, we, we you know, we started working on, on this program um, earlier this year and it was, let's give somebody an incredible opportunity. Let's give, you know, this is, this is about, um, you know, let's, Let's create something that might give somebody a life-changing experience. Um, and, uh, you know, we've, we've done, um, uh, actually, in the film and entertainment space, we've actually uh, had a program for the last three years called Untold Stories. So um, there's a little bit of a thematic there of starting with an un, right? Untold Stories, Unlock Games. Um, and, you know, this has always been about the fact that you start from a place of underrepresentation. What is it that we can do to help support it? How do we give underrepresented voices not only an opportunity, um, but it is also about giving them a platform um, and to tell their stories. So, you know, tell their stories for others to be able to, to see them, to be able to know that it is absolutely possible for, you know, for, for people people like them. And, um, you know, and, and for the program itself, it's certainly there's a monetary prize because, you know, financials always help support um, bringing things to life. Um, but more than that, uh, we've put a lot of emphasis around, uh, you know, call it the, the mentorship, the access to memberships, the, the platform, um, the storytelling, the, um, you know, the, the opportunity in this case, unlock games uh, to, to 
co-create something with us at DreamHack next year, um, a custom space where you can really feature the experience of and tell the story of your game and, and hopefully, you know, highlight it there. So, you know, for us, it's it's really been about, you know, using the power of, you know, AT&T and what we can bring to the table to really uh, authentically help support someone and, and elevate the, the space um, all at the same time. So, I mean, like, let's get, we've talked about why you're yeah. doing this. We haven't even talked about what it actually is. <laughs> <laughs> this is my world because we get so, you know, in depth with everything. And I'm like, yeah. oh, wait, there's a competition. So tell us about the unlocked competition and I'll put the website on here, but what are we actually talking about today? Yes. <laughs> I'm getting too excited, Jay. I'm getting ahead of myself. I do know. at and Unlock Games. It's the first of its kind gaming showcase and live competition. Um, we are inviting uh, women, people who identify as women developers, to come and submit their beta games. So we're currently in an open call time frame right now, and I believe that goes through the end of October, October 26th. And um, from there, what we will do is we have a team of six great end bosses. So, uh, you know, Jay, thank you for participating. It's great to have industry experts like yourself on the crew. Um, and uh, we'll have finalists that are selected at the beginning of November. And then we will have a final pitch session that will take place streamed on Twitch December the 2nd. Um, so hopefully everybody will tune in where one, one person will be or one team will be selected. Um, and also we will be doing a fan favorite. So we'll We'll be able to have fans and others that are supporting them and watching, um, you know, the contest be able to weigh in and, and to be able to select the fan favorite as well. So we've got kind of two rounds of, of prizes there. So, yeah, that's in a nutshell. So the and one, thanks for, you know, the invite to to have me do this. I, I, I love doing this. And, and everyone knows I love judging people and games. So that's always you know good, too. But we've got so it's going to be Renee Gittens from who's the head of the IGDA. Renee's been on the show. Uh, Gordon Bellamy, who is what is Gordon's done a, a whole lot of stuff. Gordon is ridiculously smart. Um, and he is on the forefront of all this. I mean, I know Gordon going back to when he was at THQ. Um, Lisette Teetree Montgomery is uh, the art director over at, uh, where is she at now? Um, I want to say it's not. Naughty Dog or somebody. Anyway, yeah. Lisette's been in the industry for 20 some, for, you know, 18, 20 years. Uh, Susan O'Connor, who's a, you know, very well awarded narrative designer. She's going to be one of the, um, and, and then, wow, there's my ugly mug on the site right there. And then me. So when all of these submissions start coming in, what are they going to be actually judged against? I mean, is it what stage do they need to put them in? I mean, what, what are we, what are we as the bosses and the judges going to be looking for? Yeah. Well, I mean, there are, there are very specific defined criteria, you know, so things like audio, the creative design, et cetera. Um, but, you know, kind of like what I said earlier is in regards to, um, you know, we as AT&T don't purport to know, um, you know, all the details of what is going to make a game title successful, which is why we're leaning in on experts like yourself um, and bringing you in to help us with that. Um, so, 
I'm going to turn this question back on you a little bit, Jay. Is um, I know we have the outline criteria, but um, I guess what do you look for? Like, what are the things that you'll be looking for? In this? That's what I love about doing this, and that's why I love that we've got such a, a variation in, in the judges because what I look for is going to always be skewed by what I do, and that's the business of the games. You know, if, if the game is is gorgeous and fantastic, but at the same time, it doesn't really offer anything new to the genre you can have a good game but is it is it really going to be that groundbreaking um that's what i always look at and, and the closer we can get to something that's finished is obviously going to be better but you know for those of you out there who have stuff that's early stage submit it absolutely and and let us take a look at it worst case scenario you get feedback on your game and that's not really ever bad so it's my wager is the stuff that is going to go all the way is going to be games that are past their midway point in in development at this point in time it's just it's they're they're easier to look at easier to judge and i i did forget to to mention uh we're going to be hosted on the live event by b nans and ammunition from you got from it yeah. so we're gonna have real twitch streamers not me you know doing this so that that'll be nice um and, and then so what are let's go through what they actually win because this is better than a typical you know, just online game you're gonna win stuff and, and exposure <laughs> and and yeah. so so what what do you win what are the prizes yep so cash prize fifty thousand dollars because that always helps um but you know it, it's it's always more than just about the money right it is support it is obviously the feedback that they're going to receive from the end bosses throughout that process that's one um you know the the overall call it storytelling and platform. We want to give these teams and these ladies that that audience um, and and help and to help them grow their audience, whether they either win the program or not. Um, it's also memberships to some some of the um, actual game developing organizations, um, which again, right, this is about network. This is about um, receiving holistic support to to bring you know whether it be this game or another game successfully to market um and then it is about also um an opportunity to be at dreamhack next year obviously covid we'll see what which dreamhack it becomes but um, we would love to to co-create um a space that is um you know dreamed up by that but you know by the winner that is fully about the experience of the game what you know uh you know uh, basically a place where um, you know we can invite fans and others to come and, and experience this, so that way we can best showcase the game and the work and the you know and the storyline um, of the of the developers as well. So it's meant to be a, a very holistic uh, support award mechanism, Jay. It's 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 not just about the um, it's more than the cash prize. It, it is, and, and the thing is, the the beauty of DreamHack being involved. And for those of you who aren't as familiar with DreamHack, DreamHack is more closely tuned to a PAX type event than it is to you know, a, a GDC or the events that I go to, the business events. So, you know, if, if AT&T is setting you up with, you know, an area you know, booth and all that stuff, you're not only going to get exposure to, to publishers and distributors, you're going to get a lot of exposure directly to fans. 
and yes. that is absolutely key. And yeah, fifty thousand dollars, fifty thousand dollars does not hurt as as well. So I, I will say, just to be clear, because we've got audience all the way around the world, sure. you do have to be. This is U.S. only. So this is in the United States, yep. correct? Yep. So sorry, um, all my friends in, in Europe and in Asia and in, in South America. It it is this one. This one is just for the for the U.S. side of the world. Um, so, what are some of the things that AT and T is hoping to get you know out of this? Because I mean, the sponsorships on these types of events are ironically fairly new. I mean, there aren't a lot of, of this type of thing that comes from people and companies that we don't consider you know intrinsically entrenched in games. Yeah, I mean, I so. I would say it is, this is all about, I mean, you know, the work that we do in esports and gaming, certainly, right? However, innately, we are able to tell our products and services. For, actually, I forgot to mention that as part of, part of the prize, there is obviously a whole setup of products and services that, you know, that are from AT&T as well. But so, you know, the, those storylines, certainly, right? And how how our products and services can power, help power and help elevate, you know, somebody getting started. Um, but it, it is at the end of the day, um, you know, it is about our holistic support of, of the gaming space. So it's not necessarily about, um, let me start over. I, it, ours, our, <laughs> I need another cup of coffee. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that, that's what yeah. I love. It's like when I can flummox the people that do this professionally, it's like, that's, that's, that's. all right. One point for Jay. Um, no, uh, no, I mean, this is all about at the end of the day, right? It's, you know, I, I, I keep going back to our ethos of, of what we're doing in the esports and gaming space, and you know, and so our when we when we think about elevating the space, some of that is you know it can come in the form of call it sponsoring and partnering in with with teams like Cloud Nine, um, but you know at its at its most call it foundational level, it would be then what do we do with Cloud Nine in a way that really taps into that fan base? How do we um, you know elevate? for the community of gaming um, and, you know, how do we bring that to life in some really unique way to, to help celebrate that, help to bring that, how to, you know, how to enrich that community. And so similarly in this particular um, program of AT&T Unlock Games, you know, it is that, it is that in the long run, what we're hoping to achieve here is uh, to be able to bring a different type of of gaming, uh, you know, gaming genre, gaming idea, gaming philosophy to the table that maybe has not been seen before, um, and you know that that type of you know to be able to bring something that that is new, that is fresh, that is you know that that ultimately also elevates you know the community for gamers as well. Um, and, you know, sometimes it's those new genres that also might open up, call it fan bases, right? So if there are other um, people maybe who had not been fans of gaming before because maybe there wasn't something that um, resonated with them or, or, or made them, you know, maybe, you know, resonated 
perhaps this this could be that game that gets more people excited about gaming and that spirit of competition, et cetera, to help expand, you know, the 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 industry as well. So it's a it's a bit more of a it's you know, it's not like an immediate, hey, we're gonna do this and we wanna go sell more cell phones, right? I, I wanna I wanna make sure that 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 is really clear that this is not what it's about. This is <laughs> truly is about you know, we want to have impact in this space. And, you know, and especially from a, you know, a gender equality standpoint, um, you know, I make a lot of references to stick and ball sports because that's you know also an area, frankly, where, you know, women are, or women in sports are, you know, that statistically just are, are disadvantaged. Um, and, uh, you know, and for us, it's, it's, you know, it's about, you know, what can we do as a company? What are the things that we can affect change on? What are the investments that we can make to, to help um, move this wheel? Um, I always think about, you know, women in, call it sports gaming, et cetera. Solving that problem is not an easy solve, right? There's no silver bullet. Um, there's, it's, it's, it's more of this flywheel effect because any sort of value chain, whether that be in gaming or, um, you know, or in sports is, 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 comp is complex, right? There's, there's sponsors certainly in brands like us who invest um, and also as advertisers we invest, but then you think about the, you know, the folks that are the, the broadcasters as well, right? And, you know, and broadcasters need to have demand to be able to to you know to to put more call it women's sports on on air and on broadcast, and um, you know and so there's there's a bit of a flywheel effect. It's not an easy answer um, for us. You know there's a lot of decisions and choices that we can make, and we certainly challenge call it others at the industry to do the same because we can't do it alone. Um, and uh, you know for example, I'll I'll just throw out there uh, the WNBA. Um, which is an area we're really passionate about them. We're the first non-apparel brand to be on all 12 jerseys. We were certainly um, big with them this season um, um, as they went into the wobble, the women's bubble um, out in Florida. <laughs> the wobble. And the wobble. They, they trademarked that, yeah. Nice. Um, and so, uh, you know, and, and so for us, it's it was uh, when they were doing their draft, so they were the first uh, – league to do their draft after we went into COVID and um, their commissioner, Kathy Engelbert, uh, you know, that, that they, were, they were very courageous to do. So I know NFL gets a lot of credit for it, but NFL actually came a week after the WNBA did. And ESPN, um, ESPN, the broadcaster, they were originally going to put the draft on ESPN too. And we were like, wait a sec, right? Like what else is what else is going to be airing on ESPN on Friday night? So we made a few calls and we're like, listen. And of course, you know, they were like, well, you know, it's about ratings. It's about, you know, got it. You know, there's again, right. This is that flywheel effect. So we said, well, listen, put it on ESPN and we'll put our money where our mouth is. And yeah. they did. They put it on ESPN. The ratings were off the charts. And guess what? We, we certainly increased our level of investment to, you know, to, show show that we're serious about this that is and, and it's one of those things that you know a big corporation like at&t is always going to get a certain number of people that are like oh we're well, just coming into this industry because it's hot and you want to get new stuff yes at the end of the day that's part of it but the bigger thing is to get a lot of this stuff moved and changed we can do grassroots operations all day long inside the industry but when someone comes in you know, with a big corporate sponsorship and says, look, here's the money, we're going to do this. Yeah. People start paying attention. 
And it is, you know, I've, I've watched women's sports along the side men's sports for years. I went to the University of North Carolina. And when I was there, our women's soccer team was basically the Olympic team. And the men's soccer team was a joke. And, and now the men's soccer team has caught up. But there are arguments that people will make about how it's it's not fair for sticking balls. And I'll leave that to doctors and sure. whatever. But when sure. it comes to video games, right. it's bullshit. Let me right. say, because right. everybody's sitting behind a, a keyboard and a mouse. And it was one of the things that, and I'll call you know, Activision out on this. This is one of the things that pissed me off about the Overwatch League initially is because they didn't have any women and their excuse was well it would create an uncomfortable environment if we had women staying in the same houses as men and i'm like i'm sorry colleges do uh, right. this. apartments <laughs> right. do this it right. is it's it's just shit. and so yeah. the fact that you all are are doing this it, it is good it is and so you've been working with the 2k series of games and then you know the bigger esports teams like cloud nine yeah the indie market is a completely different world i mean yeah. how are you approaching it differently than you have with some of the other stuff that that you all have done i think i think about it more in the case of similarities which is really around the community. It's about the gaming community. And so if it's about, you know, it, about celebrating it, it's about bringing them, bringing the community more, um, more benefits, more, more, you know, more opportunities, more, you know, so I think for us that that's really the approach. Um, and, uh, you know, again, I think it's about, you know, as a, as a brand at a company, you don't often hear people call it in my role within sponsorships to actually say this, but I think it's really important to have the humility to know what you know, and also the, the realist to know what you don't know, which is why, again, like you lean in on people that are much more experts in the space to help you, um, to, you know, to help guide you, to help drive you in the right way. So that way you could stay uh, organic and authentic to to that fan base and that community. So I think for us, the, the approach actually is in a lot of ways very similar because it's about keeping an eye open to the community. It's about, um, you know, wanting to make sure that you're, you know, that we're, we're doing this in the right way um, and, and supporting. And so, you know, even in the development of the AT&T Unlock Games program, you know, every step of that, whether that be the, the the award package, whether it be the process, whether it be even the the marketing of it, and and the places that we've you know we've gone to help um, promote the program. I mean, all of that has been um, you know from the support of people you know, frankly, like UJ that are that are in the space that that can help you know direct us and guide us in the right way, and making sure that we're elevating the community. I think one of the things that that's always very key, and this doesn't, I mean, this applies to to women and minorities, and you know all the different kinds of folks that are in the industry. When you work at these big companies, you can easily get pigeonholed into roles. You know the same way that an artist 
at an indie team, you know, maybe doing the the 3D modeling, the rigging, the texturing, all of this stuff. But when they're working on, you know, something for like a 2K series, they're going to be very, very focused. And yeah. to be able to highlight women, especially in indie games, yeah. those are the folks that are going out and, and you have to do so much more stuff. And everybody that listens to the show knows, it's like indie games are where we get the real innovation. That, that it doesn't come from you know EA or, or someone else. They just had the uh, I laughed because it was IGN just reviewed the latest FIFA game on Switch, and the review started with we cut and pasted our 2020 review of the last version of the game for this review because EA wow. cut and pasted the game and put a new year <laughs> on it. It's like oh wow. damn. Um, and and right. it is, and, and that's why you know we absolutely love to see this stuff. So you know, to, to to put you further on the spot because we get this all the time. Do you consider yourself a gamer, and what do you play? <laughs> um, I I consider myself a gaming fan. Um, I grew up in the age of NES. I'm gonna just date myself now, but man, that, you're, I. You're dating yourself with somebody that's right there with you. <laughs> my 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 most fame, uh, you know, my most prized possession back then was my gold Legend of Zelda cartridge. I mean, I just you couldn't get me away from that game, and I and I think I've played a couple bouts of that in the more recent years um, to relive those days. Um, I would say now um, I, I'm, I actually play Animal Crossing since COVID hit, um, not to sound yes. cliche, but it has been an incredible like escape from the chaos of the world, call it, right? And, um, and here's another, um, you know, kind of more of a personal insight is uh, my sister. Um, so I have a younger sister. She's four years younger. She has two kids, lives up um, in the Bay Area. And so, um, you know, she's busy with her life, right? And, you know, just like all families are, right? She's busy with her life. I get busy with mine. And we've actually used Animal Crossing as a way to to be able to rebond again in a, in a place where nobody could bother us, right? The kids aren't bothering her. My husband's not bothering me, right? Like, it's just the two of us and we get to visit each other. And um, it's, you know, it, it's really a, a joy um, to be able to, you know, you've, you've got escape moments as well as, so anyways, I, you know, this is all to say, I, I, you know, I, I appreciate the space. I don't, I don't, I don't know if I could call myself exactly a gamer, but I certainly but you are. I, that's, that's exactly <laughs> why we asked that question because uh, you are. And you know, I'll talk to folks and I'm like, so yeah. are you a gamer? They're like, Oh no, 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 no. I'm, I'm not a gamer. I was like, let me see your phone. <laughs> because Let's see. You've got, Candy Crush on here, and you know whatever else is on there. I was like, you yeah. are a gamer, and, and so when you were talking about how you know, women are actually the majority of players of games, yeah. it's it's because of that, and and so right. that that gateway that you that you spoke about earlier, Animal Crossing is the perfect example. So one, 
that game could not have hit at a better time. I mean, <laughs> oh my we have two copies of it in this house. And <laughs> I have gotten away from it long enough now that I'm almost ashamed to go back and face my Islanders because oh, right. I'm sure it's turned into... They will shame you. Yeah, the cockroaches like, in your house. Yes. Lord of the Flies on my <laughs> island at this point. But, you know, that is exactly the point because... It, my wife has been playing Animal Crossing. She's stuck with it. She has a, a, a beautiful island, but she has gotten to the point that it's like, okay, there's there's no new content. It's not a new month or whatever. And what does she do? She immediately hit the eShop and started finding games that you know yes. she would play. And so it is always a you bring new people and, and whether you know. We bring AT&T customers who aren't, who don't consider themselves gamers into the industry, or we open up a whole lot of new development studios to, to what you all are doing. It is that introduction that matters because they start playing Animal Crossing and then it's like, oh, well, and here's Stardew Valley. Thing, right? and, and if you haven't played Stardew Valley, highly recommend that one. Um, okay. It's a it's another one that will suck your life, and you can oh, play it with your sister because it's got co-op. Love it. So ah, love it, that. It is, and these are the types of experiences that you know really define the industry, and especially you know like this. It's you know I've got a nine year old. If he had been locked down in a pandemic without you know, and he plays with his friends, everything from Fortnite to Roblox to Minecraft, mm -hmm. but that's where he's getting his social. You know, right. experience right now, and yeah. so we are always about <laughs> this. Is, you started with Animal Crossing soon, you'll be cursing on LOL. Um, and that is, yeah, when you get to League of Legends, that's when you need to to to, to call us shows. The <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's it is it's it, the more that we can not only introduce new people to the industry, but also knocks down some of those stereotypes that, okay, if you're a gamer, you're actually an 18 to 24 year old male and no right. one outside of that. It's like, it's not true. It's, it's like there it's are literally true. more women playing games than there are men playing games right now. That's right. And we've got to create things that appeal to that audience, right? Um, you know, on the sports side, like there's this horrible term. It's called pink it and shrink it. So uh, that's not just sports. That's like literally any kind of retail at this point. There yeah. you go. Right. And mm -hmm. like, just I'm like, well, there you go. Right. You've got a, a group of people that is not representative of your customer base making stuff. And like, you know, it's just it's just horrible. What 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 makes somebody think that all women want are a smaller version of something that the men already have, like a smaller jersey and print it pink mm -hmm. or you know what? I, you know what I really hate are like golf club. Uh, I went to go get my golf clubs regripped. All it came in was pink. Anything undersized was pink. I'm like, really? Like, seriously? Oh my God. <laughs> you don't it, think that it, there's some other color that women want? <laughs> it, it, it is. And, and, and it's absolutely infuriating. And part of the problem I mean, it's like what you were saying, you know, solving these stereotypes in the industry, it's not a quick solution. It takes, no. and that's exactly what it takes, you know, whether it's the Me Too movement that we saw in games earlier yeah. this year or or anything else, until we start absolutely looking yeah. at getting women in all these different roles and getting you know exposure for the ones that are doing fantastic jobs, yeah. it is gonna continue to be this, you know, just 
you know, excuse. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, I, I consider myself, I, I know I mentioned this earlier when I was telling you my, my, my mini biography really quickly, but I mean, I, I consider myself very fortunate, right? And um, for a company like AT&T to take a chance on, on me, frankly, right? Like I said, it's one of the largest sponsorships portfolios out there in the United States today. I had zero experience. Um, and I certainly don't represent your, your typical person that would be leading sponsorships. But, you know, again, I think this is a challenge for other companies and brands that are trying to make hiring decisions for role decision maker roles. I mean, for me, I've since, um, you know, promoted women into my ranks. I've I've hired women of color. I've I want to make sure that my team is representative of our customer base, which is representative of the portfolio that we're managing, etc. And so, you know, there there's there's a lot to be said there about these decisions that we can make throughout and and in and challenging each other, right? So, um, you know, I I'm I'm one of the fortunate ones. For me, it's about making sure that I continue to give back. I continue to push those envelopes where I can. Um, you know, there's this one interesting, this is an inspirational story I shared with my team. Um, I don't, have you ever run a marathon for? <laughs> <laughs> Met me? I, uh, I've, I've run 5Ks and I've done one of the um, the mud run type things. Oh, that's but, badass. I love it. No, awesome. no. I was like one of the last ones <laughs> across the line because I was stupid enough to sign up for the August <laughs> event in Charlotte. And it was like, oh my God. 80, 90 in the degrees. Heat, in the mud. That was the mud was the best part. Wow. No, but, but no, <laughs> I'm, um, I, I have yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, <laughs> so marathon running for women is something like these days, right? We kind of take that for granted right that that there's events all over the you know all over the world um but i was really surprised i shared this story with my team because it was um it really proved the point of like it only takes one person it only takes um you know a, one brand one company so um back in 1967 boston marathon so back in the day back in the day which is like not too far you know back it was believed to be that women could not win, run a marathon because our uteri would fall out which that's crazy right so <laughs> Catherine switzer um yeah who came up with that idea i mean did that happen somewhere and i like, don't know i don't thing. know so, oh <laughs> so Catherine Switzer signed up for the Boston Marathon, um, but she didn't. She didn't use her first name. She actually just used her initial A, Switzer, and she ran in the 1967 Boston Marathon. Was caught by the race director around mile four. He jumped in, tried to pull her off the course, grab her number, and she had a group of men. These are the allies, right? These are the allies that we so desperately need in, in, in helping women achieve the the equality. Um, even today, and they they helped her um, escape the race director, and she was the first one to finish the race. And it took another five years before women were officially allowed to run in the Boston Marathon. Which, again, right when you think about it today, that seems it seems crazy. We take it, we almost take it for granted that that women are allowed to run um, in the Boston Marathon. Well, Catherine continued her her um, push for equality in, in the marathon running space. And she put together a proposal for a marathon race and, and for sponsors to join in. And she was told time and time again, 
it's not going to happen. People aren't going to be interested. Nobody's going to support it. And she took it to Avon. And Avon said, you know what? We're really excited. Like, this is something that I think we should go do. They had the first one. Uh, I think it was in like Atlanta. And then from there, it took off. They went all around the world and they were able to use that momentum. And obviously, Catherine and her passion and all of the other allies. And finally, in, it was 1984 when the women's marathon first came on the scene with the Olympics in LA. And so when I came across that, I was like, holy cow, right? And I used that story with my team to say, it only takes one person. It only takes one person to have that gumption, the grit, the attitude, the perseverance to make change happen. And now we take it for granted. So all of this is to say, right, like things like our program with Unlock Games or the other gender equality or other equality programs that we're doing, this is in hopes that one day, I have a, I don't have any kids, but I have a four-year-old niece who I adore. And I hope that one day she, she, you know, she does not have the, the same challenges and the fights that certainly, you know, that I've come across in my career and that she can, you know, look up to, to having all sorts of role models um, and that she knows that she knows that she can be any athlete, broadcaster, CEO, she could be in the boardroom, you know, out on the court or on the, um, you know, out in the field somewhere. She can whatever, whatever she puts her heart to. So, you know, that's kind of the the inspiration point of of what certainly gets me and my team up every single day. So. And, and like Prime Material just pointed out, no one's uterus has fallen out nope. in a marathon. Nope. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> but, and, and that's what, you know, part of the time, when you're looking at game development, one, as an industry, there's no standard on who we credit for games. There's constantly an issue of, you know, people, men or women, who leave projects in the middle of development and then completely get their name erased, you know, mm -hmm. from the credit. But it's not like a typical sport that you watch on, on TV and you can say, hey, look, there's a, there's a woman on that team. You can yeah. do it with esports now. Yes. But the women that are behind the scenes actually creating these games, they don't get that opportunity. You know, yeah. your your name is in the credits that's and, right. and that's it. And if we're going to create, you know, role models for people like your niece to look up to, we've actually we've got to do a, a better job of, of getting the names out there and saying, look, this yeah. is who did it. You know, right. it's not just a bunch of, you know, old, old sweaty white guys in here making games anymore. And, and so I think we've always had competitions in the industry, you know, yeah. at, at GDC and, you know, PAX and, and all the different events that are around, but they don't really get out there outside of the industry, you know. And so it's one of those cases where, it's like when somebody like AT&T comes in and says, look, we're going to do this and we're going to put real money into it and we're going to promote it outside of the places that y'all always promote stuff yourselves. That's those opportunities. Uh, Jeff uh, Knightley's done a really good job with the the Game Awards, which is mm. uh, like our Emmys. I'm not, you know, right. we don't. <laughs> if anything is close, it's that. Then, you know, that's awesome because there we get to see women are going on stage and accepting these you know trophies and so yeah. we know that they are and that's that's just an absolute big part of it we've got to be able to get folks out there 
Um, we got a, a question from Karen. Can I submit a serious video game? I'm working with the Texas Children's Hospital on a game right now. As the game developer for the world's first at-home hospital care video game that guides players through home care, VR, and AR. Karen, that sounds cool as hell. That sounds um, amazing. So... Can can she submit this a serious game? A serious this I mean it's it I, yes absolutely this sounds incredible, Karen please submit. It's it, it, this is the cool stuff that comes out yeah. of the industry. You know I've been doing this for twenty some years now, and I'm at the part of point of my career where we do things like the show. It's like I want to be able to say we do cool games, but here's all this other stuff that we do as well. And yeah. that's a, a prime example of, you know, somebody Something taking the things that we learn in games and putting it out there and said, look, we're going to, you know, help people with, with healthcare. Right. Um, all right, here we got another question from, from zero vapor over on Twitch. How can indie devs support other devs? belong to underrepresented groups? So I would say help get the word out about the program, right? Because if there's more people that are aware of the program, hopefully we can get them to submit their games. And then I think the other part too is help tell these stories. There's the stories of the people that will be featured. Help, help expand their, their uh, storytelling opportunity too by sharing on your platforms. And then... Um, I'm, there was one other thought that I had, but it's really about let's help each other. I mean, this is all about the micro and macro level impacts and things that we can go do together. And so, um, you know, help us help us get the word out about the opportunity, you know, the opportunity, and about the stories that will come out of it. One of the the benefits of the pandemic for our industry, of the fact that everybody started playing video games, and, and a lot of a lot of companies have a lot more money to do stuff with now, is you know, we have had a huge growth in digital events because we basically had to. Uh, and so all of those are fantastic opportunities for, you know, devs to, you know, help promote other developers. Uh, you know, I'll plug our friend Liam Twos's Pitch Your Game initiative that he they do at the first of every month, you know. And so anything like that, that you can do as another developer to, help promote somebody it's it's not only good but it is such encourage i mean that's the encouragement that we need we aren't in an industry that's one of the things i love about games is you don't get that competitive side of it like a lot of other industries do you know it's like if i'm an indie developer and i'm making a platformer game i don't look at everybody else's oh my god they're the you know they're the competition. We have to beat them out, blah, blah. Yeah. You start sharing that and you start, you know, getting out there. And there are a lot of resources out there specifically to help, you know, support women in games and minorities in games. And Renee and, and the IGDA is a prime one like that. So, I mean, Zero Vapor, yeah, the best thing that you can do for a lot of these studios is just absolutely celebrate them, help promote them, get them out there and do all that kind of good stuff. Sorry, thirsty. Um, <laughs> all right, so I know that you uh, you got a hard stop coming up here. So yeah. we've only got a little bit of time left. 
if you've got a question about, about the competition, about, you know, what AT&T is doing, you know, sneaking into our industry, sneaking in after three years, you know, <laughs> let us know, pop it up. The growing up on Zelda, yeah. which is interesting that you brought that one up because that is the Breath of the Wild ended up being the first game that my son completely finished. Wow. And I, I grew up as a PC gamer, so I didn't play Zelda. I didn't play all of these. I didn't have it, you know, and just like I was, I was constantly on the PC. And but those are the memories that you carry with you. For, he got to Ganon. He's like, are you going to help me? I was like, no, no. you have to be Ganon <laughs> on, on your own. That's yeah. That's the difference. Well, I think that's so beautiful, right? Is now there it's multi-generational families that are into gaming. Like when, you know, when we were at that age, right? It was a little bit different because it's not like that existed for our parents. So it was a little bit harder for them to understand. But, you know, now it's you've got multi-generations of people that are really passionate. And, you know, so even at esports events, too, we see, you know, multi-generational families going together like you would go to a baseball game. And um, I think that's just something that's amazing. And I think it'll just continue to grow, frankly. It, it, it is awesome that because I hadn't really thought about it that way. But, it is, you know, we're we're the first generation that is going to be raising gamers. That's right as gamers right you know? and, right and so that that is very much one of, one of the cool parts of this and <laughs> part of all of the mess with this pandemic is you know one when i go to my son's school and people are like hey so so what do you do it's like we live in a university town so we got yeah. professors and doctors and i'm like i help people make video games and they're like that's a job. <laughs> yeah, it Live is. the dream every and, day. And so I, and, you know, we would be out after school and, you know, the parents were like, well, I don't let my child play Fortnite and I don't let my child play, play Minecraft. And now after, you know, eight months of pandemic, you know, all of those kids are on, you know, Minecraft oh, and Among completely. Us and <laughs> all of this stuff. And, it, and that's actually a whole nother point. I mean, you've got games like Among Us and they become that's a story in and of itself of how that game just exploded overnight but what you see is people recreating that in fortnite's creative mode or in mm. roblox and all of that just basically goes to fuel you know this passion and in, in, in this industry and the creativity and bring new people in and so that's that's awesome i'm, I'm really glad that you are working in this area and, and you're helping to promote this. And I am, I am humbly honored that, you know, you all reached out to, to me to, to help. And I'm, I'm very happy to do it. Um, so yeah, without, you know, any further, do you have any final thoughts, any, any final questions, anything else you, you want to, to plug while we're here? Um, oh, I'd say, you know, if you know anybody, or if you are a game developer, you've got something you want to submit, do not hesitate, submit it. And I'd say, Jay, thank you for having me on. I know earlier you were talking about supporting and creating platforms for underrepresented folks. I mean, certainly having me on today, that is a, a pure representation of that. And you giving me this opportunity is incredible as well. So I appreciate you. Thanks for all that you do. We, we don't have many real executives on the show. So that's the uh, <laughs> that, that, that's the minority that you're representing when it comes to our, our podcast. Uh, uh, all right. So, yeah, it, you know, women, if you are, if, 
if you're the lead on a project, if you Correct. are an owner in the company, um, especially some of those teams I know out there who are all women, go to ATTUnlockGames.com. Got it's got it. all the stuff that you need to enter and the rules and all that kind of good stuff. Um, and then, you know, you can always, if you've got questions, hit me up. We're on our Discord at discord.gg slash indie game business. And we can get you set there as well. Uh, this is the part of the show that I suck at because Indy always does the outro and, and he's sick right now. So I will say, um, if, if you've got questions, Google up AT&T Unlock Challenge or Google up Indie Game Business. We'll put you in, in the right place. So thank you for coming on. Looking forward to this. And, and I'll be seeing you soon along the way. Absolutely. Thanks, Jay. Thanks, everybody. Y'all have a, a very safe weekend. Bye. Thanks for listening to Indie Game Business. You can learn more about the show and our online business networking events at IndieGame.Business.